I am this. It's like, well, no, you're not. I'm a binge eater. I'm a right. Yeah. Yeah. Change the words of, and it's like that you have to have that growth mindset, right? It's like, right. Okay, I do have the ability to change. And that's how I, how I was for a long time. Like I'm Italian. Like, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. We, we eat all the food. We eat the pasta. We food wear the stretchy love. pants, you know, like, and that was my default. Like I'm Italian. Like you, I can't, what do you expect from me? You know? And it was like, <laughs> no girl, you have the ability to change and grow. But if you're Mm going to keep telling yourself that you are this, then you are Mm -hmm. right. So it took some reflection on that to, to be able to, to grow. Welcome to cut the crap with Beth and Matt, the world's number one, no bullshit health and fitness podcast. Are you ready to cut the crap with your diet and exercise, get strong as fuck, and build a healthy relationship with food? Then you've come to the right place. Let's Let's go. If you'd like to support us in the podcast, join our Patreon where you get exclusive content, which consists of monthly workouts you can do at home or at the gym, monthly challenges that are either strength, habit, or mindset-based, and access to over 100-plus low-calorie, high-protein, family-friendly meals. These are all designed by a professional chef who is certified in nutrition. These recipes are already in my fitness pal for easy fucking tracking. New recipes are also added each week. We believe that fitness is for everyone. So this is our way of getting you started on your health and fitness journey at a price most everyone can afford. So what the fuck are you waiting for? I'll see you on the Patreon. So Laura, Cravings Coach, why don't you let everyone know like how you became a coach, your story, things like that. Yeah. Well, how much time do we have? Right. No, but um, (laughs) right now I'm a cravings coach for women. I'm a cravings and fat loss coach. And my passion is really helping women who have traditionally been stuck in the binge restrict cycle or nothing dieting mindset, get a handle on the cravings that occur as a result and the self-sabotage that occurs as a result of these fat diets and this all or nothing mindset. And to find a craving solution for them, not eliminate the craving. Cravings don't go away, right? Let's be honest, we're humans, but find a solution for that craving so that these women can have an easier time with their weight loss and their fat loss goals. And something we do at Laura Cabal Coaching is we don't track, we don't count, and we don't eliminate anything. We just attune our clients' hunger and cravings cues so much so that we can implement different strategies to help them get into that fat loss phase. How I got into this is, well, let's just start from the beginning. I'm Italian, born and raised in Italy, off the boat. Mm -hmm. In in Italian culture, it's like you are eating all the breads, all the pastas. And if you are not overeating and unbuttoning your pants at the dinner table, like you have not eaten enough, right? Don't offend the chef. Um, You know, you have to try all the things and it's very gluttonous, right? And obviously Italian food is delicious. Like who doesn't want to eat all the things? Absolutely. But these childhood habits, like I remember being at the dinner table and being like, you're not allowed to get up until you eat this pork chop. Right. And I remember trying to hide the pork chop in my napkin and getting caught and sitting at the dinner table till 9 p.m. at night. Um, I remember going to the bathroom and spitting up food because I didn't want to eat it. And so there was this default of eat all the food all the time. And so this habit, Uh, followed me into my teenage years. I became a big binge drinker and I became a big (laughs) binge eater. And I was an athlete in high school and college. I played division one lacrosse in in college and I had a very big appetite for both partying and food. And so 
I um, was very, very gluttonous in, in my my teens and 20s. And again, after college, I moved to Brooklyn, New York, and I became a wine and liquor representative. So a lot of my day revolved around tasting wine and dinners and living that relentless lifestyle of partying and fun and eating out and restaurants and You know, I wonder if I would have a different experience living in New York City now in my version now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, New York, there's just really good food and lots of good bars and lots of fun to be had. So um, that was really my experience through my 20s and my college years. But when I lived in Brooklyn, I was actually assaulted in broad daylight by a mentally disabled man. And I just remember not being able to defend myself. I remember like running around the intersection, like throwing my bags at him and trying to get away and Mm -hmm. just kind of giving up and like being pulled to the ground by my hair and looking up at this man who was saying just these really weird things and just my life flashing before my eyes, really, and not knowing what was going to happen. And within that moment, someone came over and, and came to my rescue and kind of disrupted his trance because he was kind of in a trance. And I watched this whole scene unfold in front of me. And and that was really my turning point for getting out of New York. And I felt weak. I felt defenseless. I felt helpless. And it wasn't just in the way of how I was leading my lifestyle. I was also in unhealthy relationships, verbally abusive relationships, emotionally abusive relationships. I was abusing myself. I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't doing anything that was good for me. Mm -hmm. So I decided to find more balance in my life. And I, I moved to Los Angeles and I became a personal trainer in 2014. And you would think like, oh, this is when you're going to get healthy and things are going to get better. And, you know, you're in the lifestyle now, right? Wrong. That is when my binging and deprivation got a lot worse. I felt a lot of societal pressure to look a certain way, being a trainer for Equinox in Santa Monica, surrounded by beautiful people, beautiful trainers. And I was coming off of, uh, you know, 15-year binge of of alcohol and, and mm-hmm. drugs, uh, So any fad diet I could find at that time I had done. So I started with the body ecology diet, which was a gut cleanse that actually really helped a lot of the digestive issues that I had, leaky gut. Um, I went from pooping once a week to pooping daily. So that was a big winner for me, you know, Mm -hmm. a big winner. And, you know, when you see so much success from an elimination diet like that, which I actually needed because I was removing all of these things that were uh, impacting my gut and having all this yeast overgrowth and candida overgrowth. And I saw the power of this elimination diet and I was like, bring on all the elimination diets. Right. So from there it was like the clean diet. And then it was the swimsuit diet. And then it was keto for six months. And then it was paleo. And so over the course of five years, I seesawed between 10 different fat diets and I was still kind of stuck in my partying ways on the weekends. So during the week, I was really good. And then come Friday happy hour, me and my girl would go out. We'd start eating. We'd start drinking. And the weekends were lots of greasy food, alcohol, drugs sometimes. And then Monday would start back over. And it was during this time that my binges were just scary. They were so scary that I was like, 
it it's impossible for anyone else to be doing this because this is so shameful and this is so intense. Like around my period, I would eat whole boxes of cereal and like just see bowl after bowl after bowl and whole whole bags of chocolate and like these chocolate covered pretzels <laughs> from Trader Joe's called mm-hmm. Cowboy Bark that are so delicious. And I would eat these whole bags and I wouldn't even be full. And I would just say, I'm such a freak. I don't know what's going on. I'm so ashamed. I can't tell anyone. And so one of my aha moments was eating a whole box of cereal and moving on to like a bag of chips or something and not being full and being like, something is wrong here. Mm -hmm. Something is drastically wrong. This is either hormonal or this is emotional or, or something. So that started my journey into understanding my hormones a little bit more. I read the book Woman Code by Alyssa Vitti. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to understand how much hormones impact everything, right? Your mood, your hunger, your sex drive, your ability to recover from injury and the expression on your skin and your mood that day, your digestion. So I got off birth control and I started just eating to nurture my cycle. And I noticed cravings starting to decrease and things starting to improve. But I was still drinking, I was still partying. And so within that time period, I was introduced to my now business coach who her name is Jill Coleman. And she introduced the concept of moderation. And she was like, I'm having chocolate on Tuesday and I'm having a glass of wine on Wednesday. And I'm like, wait, wait. And you still look athletic and you're still fit and you're still a badass. What what's going on here? And so she really opened me up to the idea that it doesn't have to be all or nothing, that you can find moderation and balance. And so since 2016 has been my own journey of discovery and digging into cravings, hunger, overeating, understanding the whys, the hows, and developing my own system for helping other women. I got certified as a mindset coach, uh, Beth, and I met uh, through that program that really helped how I was helping my clients and really helped my coaching. I got certified in the metabolic female, which is a course on women's hormones and women's metabolism, obviously certified in nutrition and fitness as well. So everything from my personal experience to my studies, and then applying these strategies with my clients is really what has gotten me to this place today. So that's, that's the long version of, of where I'm at now and what I'm doing. Wow. That's, that's a pretty incredible story, Laura. It is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. really. So would you say you had, you know, like a binge eating disorder? It's interesting that you bring that up because I've done a lot of research on binge eating disorder and binge eating in general. Mm-hmm. I, I do believe I had binge eating, mm-hmm. but not binge eating disorder where I was doing it weekly for three or four months at a time consistently. And I have a lot of clients that come to me and I I have to screen very thoroughly for this because binge eating can be, well, first of all, not everyone's honest with their frequency and what they're doing. And secondly, I, I have worked with clients that have had binge eating disorder, but have been turned away from therapists and psychologists and saying like, you're, you're fine. You're just emotional eating or you're just doing this. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's more common than we think. And we know because I don't know why, but I'm I'm having to refer these clients out to other therapists and and psychologists that are tailored towards eating disorders. I don't think I had binge eating disorder, but was I binging 
consistently for a period of time, intermittently, a little bit more frequently than others. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, there's definitely a difference between binging and, and foldable. Um, yeah, maybe we should go through that because I think that sometimes, and I think Casey Joe actually just made a post about this. Like she there did. is a she difference did. between like binge eating disorder and like binging and like overeating. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I think because a lot of people, like you said, they kind of like label themselves. I I have, I binge eat. It's like, okay, well, what exactly does that mean? Maybe we can, you mm-hmm. know, go through the different kind of. Sure. Yeah. And I saw that post and I had a whole thing written like on my phone. I was going to respond in there and then my phone mm-hmm. died and I was like, <laughs> you lost it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I have to collect my thoughts again. Right. So overeating is really the act of eating too much in a sitting where you feel uncomfortably full. And it happens often, right? Mm-hmm. It, it it happens. It's very common daily. And it, it's it's not necessarily tied to the emotional aspect. It's it's maybe you hadn't eaten enough that day and you're eat, you're overeating in a specific meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like um sometimes like if I go out to eat and something, you know, it just tastes so good. It tastes so good. And you just keep eating, but I, you know, and it's not something that I do very often, but when you do, you're like, ah, oh, I'm uncomfortable and I don't like this feeling. And you're you, like, you know, I remember I why I don't do this. Yeah. This is why, you know, eating mindfully and slowly and not going somewhere when you're fucking starving. <laughs> right. And it's definitely a balancing act, you know, between overeating, binging and, and the full blown disorder. And I think like you were saying, Beth, people just miss categorize it or mislabel it right um and because they, we we a lot of people and this is still new science really um understanding the mental aspect of dieting and eating not everything is is a eating disorder but it's just like how disordered eating isn't necessarily an eating disorder you can you can have disordered eating tendencies and habits without having a full-blown eating disorder and just like even like binge and restrict so you can say yeah. well you know I'm going to starve myself for a little bit here. And then I'm going to get a hold of something and just eat till I'm super full. Right. That's um, disordered you know? eating. Right. Yep. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like I definitely had disordered eating patterns for mm-hmm. sure. I've been um, Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I know that my binge eating was a result. It was kind of a trifecta. It was the habits I had acquired since being a kid. It was my hormonal disruptions from all the sugar I was eating, the intense exercise I was doing, the binging and restricting. Um, and then it was also environmental, you know, going out and drinking and and then having a free for all and restricting and all that. So emotional eating can come both from a positive and also like a negative place. Like we tend to eat when we're happy or we're sad or or we're frustrated, right? But oftentimes emotional eating is referred to in a negative way. And it it's not doesn't always have to be negative, right? Mm-hmm. Food is also joyful and 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 can bring us all sorts of different emotions to it. And so the signs and symptoms, I'm going to just talk a little bit about emotional eating, include but aren't limited to eating without physical hunger, right? Eating more than what's comfortable, Um, eating to feel better or eating as a reward as well, eating to feel safe. I talk about a lot about this, like soothing with food Mm -hmm. um, and feeling powerless or out of control around food. So that can be emotional eating. And binge eating does have an element of this emotional aspect mm. to it. And, and that was what was Casey's post was saying is we have overeating, right? Which can happen if you're around food that you're maybe not around or, as often, or, you know, you're more hungry and then you end up overeating. But the difference between that overeating and binge eating, binge eating, you have that emotional element in it. 
right? It's it's emotionally spurred. It can be as a result of or of stress or an intense situation or being around certain people. Where the binge eating disorder comes in is it's happening frequently, weekly for a period of time up to three months or a minimum of three months rather. And so you're seeing it happening, happening more consistently. Now, of course, if it gets to a point where you're throwing up or there's exercise happening after that, now, now we're getting into a different type of eating disorder. And so Casey's recommendations in that post were, if you have binge eating disorder or binge eating disorder, as well as if you're binge eating, you should seek professional help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely 100% agree with the binge eating disorder that it should be outsourced to someone that has those professional capacities. But what I was going to say in that post is I see women coming in who have these disordered eating tendencies and they're being turned away by their doctors or they're being prescribed appetite suppressants. Mm, Which um, is the last thing they need in that situation. Yeah. Similar to what they give people that are trying to quit smoking. Okay. Like Welbutrin or something. Because I was given that and I was not fucking hungry. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, that's when we have to say like, when I say like, I can take you on as a client, but I also need you supplementing our work with a therapist that is trained with eating disorders. And oftentimes it's not even about the food. It's about their marriage or it's about body image. The food's just a coping mechanism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which food is calming, right? So that's why people, a lot of people like, you know, emotionally stressy is because uh, food is like a parasympathetic response. You know, your body like kind of like calms down when you're eating. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And for many people when they're eating, you know, because they're sad or unhappy, it's that dopamine hit that that food's providing them. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Letting people know that like, it's okay to be in these scenarios where maybe we are looking for comfort from food, but bringing that awareness to it, like how often are you doing this? How much of this food are you, are you eating? And that's where the cravings and the emotional eating come in is like, it's never going to go away. Mm -hmm. Right. Instead of, instead of fighting against it, I want you to lean into it and instead bring that curiosity and learning to this particular scenario. And then I think that that takes a lot of the shame and the guilt out of the relationship that people have with food. And they start to almost like normalize like that this happens to a lot of people and that it's common and that it's something that can be healed and can be changed when we start to take away the shame and the guilt, which I call like a fog. Mm -hmm. It's like a fog that you can't see past. Mm -hmm. Healing those onion layers. Yeah. Is that what you call it? (laughs) I like that. The stinky onion. Getting to the the middle of the onion here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's hard uh, digging deep and going, figuring out why you're doing things that you're working on your, on your mind and your brain is very difficult. It's very uncomfortable. It's hard as older adults too, because you just say like, well, that's how I am. That's how I've always been. You start identifying as that person. It's like, it becomes your reality. Like I, I am this. It's like, well, no, you're not. I'm a binge eater. I'm a right. Yeah, yeah. Let's change the words of, and it's like that. You have to have that growth mindset, right? It's like, right. Okay, I do have the ability to change, and that's how I how I was for a long time. Like I'm Italian. Like this is what we do. Mm-hmm. We we eat all the food. We eat the pasta. We food wear the stretchy love. pants. You know, like, and that was my default. Like I'm Italian. Like you, I can't. What do you expect from me? You know, and it was like. <laughs> no girl, you have the ability to change and grow. But if you're Mm going to keep telling yourself that you are this, 
than you are. Mm-hmm. Right. So it took some reflection on that to, to be able to, to grow and change yeah. in that respect. And you said this at the beginning too, about you being Italian and how the food is just part of the culture. And I think that's something that people overlook too, is the cultural aspect of eating. And that's what a lot of diets neglect. Like they just expect you to just cut all this stuff out and restrict all this stuff. Meanwhile, they're, they're Italian or they're, they're Indian or whatever their ethnicity and their culture is that they grew up in. Um, you're completely disregarding that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what I love about our nutrition approach at Laura Caval Coaching is that our nutrition framework accounts for your preferences. It accounts for your schedule. It accounts for your ability to prep uh, or not prep. It accounts for going on vacation or being busier. It's it's very adaptable to the individual versus saying like, all right, keto or low carb, or you know, we're doing shakes for breakfast and lunch. And for that, for many people, that's not possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I'd say for for a lot of people, <laughs> for sure, for sure, people just want to always do the most extreme thing. And then not even thinking that like you're going to have an anniversary, there's going to be deaths, there's going to be birthdays. Like, how are you going to navigate that? Exactly, exactly. You said something earlier too about fat loss and you know the the emotional mental side of it. And I I want to talk about that for a moment because so many people want to lose fat, but they're struggling with these cravings and these, these disordered eating tendencies, emotional eating and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But the, but the only thing that matters to them is, is fat loss. But so our job as coaches is to like, yes, maybe you want fat loss, but what you need right now is to tackle this side of things, right? The mental side of things. Mm-hmm. How do you make that connection with your clients and get people to realize and get them to understand that fat loss isn't a priority right now. We can lose fat later, but first you need to repair this relationship with food and yourself. And then fat loss is going to be a lot easier after that. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple, a couple ways, the way that our programs are set up, they're not, you know, 30 or 60 day programs. We require at least a four month commitment from our clients because we know that change takes time and we like to get at it from habits and routines and behaviors. So I say, listen, this is a lifestyle change. You're going to be a different person in three or four months. And if this isn't something for you, I totally get it. I totally understand. But I want to I want to let you know that you're not going to have to go back to anything after this. This is going to be your final solution. So if you're mm-hmm. willing to put the work in right now, then we can get you to a place where you have food freedom. You never have to worry about going on another diet. And you'll be able to course correct during times that become more challenging and less predictable. So that's that's one way. I need the client's buy-in for long-term. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's number one. The second thing is that I talk about seasonal strategies with my clients. So not every season is a fat loss season, right? Some seasons yeah. are maintenance and that. some seasons are more mental health and growth related and self-development. So some clients that come in and they're really eager, I'll say, listen, we have these things that we need to work on first, which is most often stabilizing cravings and hunger, which is phase number one. And that taps into also just the mindset aspect around nutrition and diet. Because once we start stabilizing hunger and cravings, we start to shift the mindset around all or nothing dieting, around uh, how they're taking care of their their sleep, how they're managing stress. And so we're introducing already these little tidbits 
tidbits in the first phase of our work together that gets clients wins even without the fat loss. Like, oh, I'm sleeping better. I have more energy. I'm in a better mood. I have better sex drive. I'm having less binges at night or I'm I'm overeating less. I'm not mindlessly snacking. Those are already wins for them, right? Mm. Um, So our first phase is stabilizing hunger and cravings. And then the second phase is getting them to stay consistent with diet and exercise. And then the third phase, if they're ready for it, is fat loss. And that's when we teach them different fat loss strategies that don't require tracking or calorie counting or anything like that. But I won't introduce those unless I have felt that the client has made progress in the way of mindset and health and they are on board with a longer term lifestyle change. But most often I won't be taking people on that are, you know, trying to lose 10 pounds in 30 days or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And there's a lot of mindset around body image that comes into play with this, right? Because so, so many people think that losing the weight is going to make them happy. Getting them to a certain number is going to validate them. And that all is going to be well in the world when they achieve the look that they've gotten. Right. And uh, all of us can probably attest that that's that's not true. Um, not. We've all probably achieved those aesthetic looks, and we're like, "All right, well, wasn't what, as good as I thought it was going to be." What the fuck what did I do next? this for? Nothing changed. Yeah. I'm not happy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You either sacrificed a ton for it, or mm-hmm. it wasn't like worth the sacrifice to get there. So I just, I also throughout the process try and and show them ways that they are valuable and that they are worthy and that they have other things to contribute to how they feel about themselves that has nothing to do with their weight and their fat loss goals. So we taught, we do a lot of gratitude journaling. We do a lot of community building within our Facebook group. And I just have them fall in love with the process versus that end goal Yes, more so than so just like, all right, three months losing 10 pounds. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My question was, so how would someone in the, you know, in a short answer, um, stabilize their hunger and cravings? Like where does someone go about just figure that out besides, you know, getting coaching? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So there's two things happening. There's hunger, which Mm -hmm. is felt in the gut. That's a physical feeling of maybe you haven't eaten enough or you um, haven't eaten at all that day. And then we have cravings and cravings is the more complex beast, right? That Mm -hmm. is layered in there. Cravings happen for a number of different reasons. But one strategy that has helped my clients a lot tackle both the hunger and the cravings is satisfied plates. Satisfied plates is my own guide for creating a plate, which has four different parts. When you create a satisfied plate, you want to lead with a lean Part number one is lean, L-E-A-N. And this is any protein forward food. It doesn't have to be a lean protein. What I mean by lean is feed the lean, right? We know that we build muscle. We build muscle tissue by Mm -hmm. adding protein into our diets and strength training. So we are feeding the lean with this first portion on our plates. And you want it to be about one to two palm size amounts. The second part to a satisfied plate is detox. Detox is a fruit or a vegetable, Mm -hmm. preferably a green vegetable, but it could be any vegetable or any fruit that you like. And you want one to two palm size amounts of that detox element on your plate. These two parts together, lean and detox are going to make up most of your plate. Okay. Now part three is called crave. 
Crave is that food that gives you the yum-yums. It could be a bagel. It could be a chocolate croissant. It could be a cookie. It could be a friggin' ice cream cone. I don't care what the yum-yum is. And it's going to be different for all of us. Some of us are more salty. Some of us are fatty. Some are Mm -hmm. sweet. Some are crunchy. For me in the mornings, I want something like a piece of toast with um, like peanut butter. peanut butter on it or something, right? If it's lunch, I probably want a cookie or I want some chocolate granola. If mm-hmm. it's dinner, I probably want some chocolate. So the Crave is going to be in a portion size that's a little bit smaller than you would normally eat. So if you would usually have two slices of toast, you're going to have one. If you would normally have a whole muffin, you're going to have half a muffin. Okay. If you normally have six or seven slices of bacon, you're going to have two or three slices of bacon. What this does, it gives you that cravings relief and that mm-hmm. craving satisfaction so you don't feel deprived throughout the rest of the day. And it helps you stay more compliant because you feel full and you feel satisfied. And that's right. what we want our meals to do for us. Mm-hmm. Now, the fourth part, is where we start to bring the personal element into it is observe. How does this plate make you feel? Are you bloated? Are you gassy? Are you hungry? Are you still craving food? Okay. This is what helps the clients connect the dots because at the end of the day, we want people making decisions on food based on how it makes them feel based on how food responds in their body, right? Not based on some diet plan or what the next influencer is eating, right? You need to make this work for you. If oatmeal makes you crave like a cheeseburger and pizza for lunch, oatmeal probably isn't going to be the best option for you in your breakfast, Mm -hmm. right? But if you can have oatmeal and eggs and bacon, and that's a a meal that keeps you full for four to six hours, and you don't feel like you need to eat your left arm within two two hours, then that's a pretty good meal for you. Mm -hmm. So this is the individual element. So eating satisfied breakfast within two hours of waking has shown to help my clients decrease cravings, hunger, and overeating by up to 70% within seven days. And it's just, you know, most people aren't eating breakfast that are coming to us um, or they're having coffee or they're having a granola bar or a muffin. Mm -hmm. And so satisfied breakfast within two hours of waking is triggering your hunger and your cravings to start earlier in the day. It's satisfying you. It's nourishing you. And then we find that clients aren't overeating as much later on in the day and they're not binging as much later on in the day. That's what we notice with our clients as well. And Mm -hmm. from a research standpoint, there's tons of research to support what you're saying there as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, we are moving up and around most of the day, Mm -hmm. you know, eat food throughout the day so that you have energy to do the things you love, not at five o'clock at night when you're getting ready to chill out with your family and sit on the couch for the rest of the night. Right. Right. Yeah. And and studies show that the majority of Americans are consuming most of their calories between 5 and 10 p.m. at night, Mm -hmm. which is when we're the most sedentary. And so, you know, clients come to me and say, well, I'm not hungry in the morning because you're not eating. Thank you. Because you've lost touch of that <laughs> hunger, right? Yes, you, Laura. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this this first phase is really attuning hunger and cravings cues and bec- helping them become more sensitive. So we're regulating leptin, we're regulating insulin, mm-hmm. and we are helping our clients understand what is hunger? Am I really craving? Do I need to eat an actual meal instead of eating this snack of whatever handful of pretzels or whatever it might be. Or coffee with a little bit of creamer. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And then suppress my appetite for another three hours. That was something I was really good at. Yep. For sure. That's how I I fell in love with black coffee actually. 
freaking intermittent fasting did a number of oh, on my go, relationship Matt. with food. So oh I, yeah. I switched to intermittent fasting because of inter, or I switched to black coffee because of intermittent fasting, skipping uh-huh. breakfast, destroyed my relationship with food. And I got to the point where I was doing OMAD one meal a day. And I, I was, I would, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Like I can eat three kids, 3000 calories at one time. Uh, wow. Holy shit. Was that fucked up? Yeah. Yeah. And I would feel like dog shit if I ate 3000 calories. Oh, I did to everybody else. I was putting on a front, like, no, I feel great. I'm so energetic. I'm right. this, and this and this. I remember being at work and people were like, dude, you look like shit. I'm like, no, I feel great. What are you and just, I'm doing OMAD. I'm fasting. I'm, I have, I'm, I'm going to eat tonight at 8 PM and I'm going to have all 2000 calories of pizza then. Like, no, it wasn't. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we get so stuck in these things that other people are doing or have worked for other people or Mm-hmm. these rules, right? We just want people to tell us what to do. Yeah. I and that's why I said, yeah, and it's like, just tell me what to do. It's like, we love rules, but we love yeah. breaking rules even more. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was <laughs> the same way. Like, I don't want to figure it out. I just want someone to tell me, you know, until right. nothing else was working. And I tried all the rules. I tried all the programs. I, I followed them to the T and I still mm-hmm. wasn't getting results. So I was like, okay, well, something's not working. So yeah. would you say then it's like no food rules? We all agree on no food rules, but what about structure? Obviously, so what you're doing is you're you're building structure into, yeah, like into guidelines. I would say no rules, but we there there should right. be some yeah. guidelines, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the science is the science, right? So if we do want to regulate hunger, there's a scientific element to that. If we want to regulate cravings, same thing. If we want to be in a fat loss phase, same thing. So not getting too in the weeds with our clients are like, okay, well, insulin and leptin is is doing this. They're like, okay, what? Like, just tell me what mm-hmm. I need to do to stabilize them. So yes, I provide guidelines for clients so that they have a little bit of structure, but it's flexible to to meet them where they're at, whether they're traveling or, you know, life gets unpredictable or even they get sick or their kids get sick and they can't be as, as routined or structured. So Satisfied plates going back to that is one of the best ways to regulate cravings or hunger rather. And then cravings, we have to get a little bit more individualized because everyone's cravings happen for a different reason. So I actually have a cravings quiz that helps identify what your major cravings archetype is. And I have three different cravings archetypes. And the first is disconnected Donna. The second is routined Roberta. And the third is hormonal Henrietta. Mm. And we all have aspects from different ones, but mm-hmm. uh, we we have one one archetype that is that leads the the pack for us. Hormonal Henrietta is more of a hormonal based cravings trigger. Routine Roberta is more environmental and um, routines, and then disconnected Donna is more mindset emotional eating. Mm-hmm. I love that you put names to them, yeah. <laughs> like because because that that helps them like connect and identify. And yeah, and we do something similar. We teach a mindful eating um, course as well. Um, mm-hmm. and I, so I love everything that you're talking about. You know, we 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 have um, archetypes like that as well. You know, the nice. clean eater, the professional dieter, and things right. like that. So I mean, so it, it's all super powerful stuff. And it just helps with people to visualize. Like actually, yeah, that's how that that does sound like me. I identify as that. So now that I know that that's right, my behavior, my my character trait there with food. Now I can work on fixing it, like you said earlier, with observing and building awareness and things like that. Oh yeah, creating mm-hmm. awareness. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it helps them also feel less alone, right? Knowing that other women are taking the quiz and totally. everyone's going to get an archetype, and mm-hmm. you know, I've had over four hundred people take this quiz, and it's like, it's awesome because 
I just want to demystify the feeling that cravings and overeating and things like this is bad or should be shameful. Right. right. And of course, overeating consistently isn't good, but we have some solutions in place for some of these, these challenges. Totally. Yeah. Just thinking that a lot of people just don't have satisfied plates. And that is the reason why they, a lot of them are, you know, overeating in the evening is because they're literally not eating anything during the day that they even want. They're um, eating what they think they're supposed to be eating, right? You know, or they're eating these mini fucking meals that aren't satisfying at all. No protein, you know, little bars in the smoothies and mm -hmm. mini salads with fucking just lettuce and a tomato. Yeah. <laughs> and I still have clients that I've been working with for a year that are like, they're connecting the dots, but they still find it hard to follow through with certain elements of satisfy. Like I have a client, I did a check-in today. She's like, um, some of the challenges this week is I have my period and I haven't been eating enough protein. And, you know, her last couple check-ins is like, I've been eating more sugar at night and I've been more irritable and I'm getting in my head about my body and I haven't been sleeping well and I've been more stressed. Right. And I'm like, Go mm -hmm. back to the basics, right? Mm -hmm. We're we're not trying to do anything fancy. I want mm -hmm. you to think about satisfied plates within two hours of waking up, and for for lunch, if you can do satisfied plates for breakfast and lunch, you are set up pretty well for the rest of the day. I want you to just focus on sleep, stress management, right? Pretty soon, these clients start to like connect these dots and identify what parts of satisfied plate maybe they're they're missing. Like, oh, I haven't had enough detox, right? Or like, mm -hmm. yeah, I've. I just like didn't have crave for a couple of meals just to see what would happen. And whoops, right. I had like six cookies and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like you're going to want the cookie. Just have it. It's okay. Right. You know? And the cool thing is clients are seeing results. You know, yeah. they're, we're seeing an average of 10 pounds and 10 inches loss within the first three months of working with us up to 10 pounds and 10 inches. And that's without restriction or counting or anything. And it's with stabilizing those cravings and those those hunger yeah. Yeah. cues, which is so important. Yeah. So the message yeah. there is if you struggle with these things, you need to you need to address them, not push them onto tomorrow's problem. If you want to lose fat, these things are more important right now. Exactly. Exactly. You want to think of it kind of like you're on this road, right? And at the end of it is like your fat loss goals, right? But to get to that fat loss goal, you have to pass different stops along this road. Right. Yeah. And first stop is stabilized yeah, cravings and hunger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like let's stop off here. Let's see what's up. Let's take in the sights and sounds. Let's spend a little bit of time here. Let's enjoy it. Yeah. And, and the cool thing is like every stop you take, compounds on the next stop. It's not just like it's it's just a base value. It it increases in value as you go down that road. So when you stabilize hunger and cravings, all this other good shit starts happening. And then once you start being more consistent with your nutrition and your diet and your exercise rather, and you start improving sleep and stress, all of this other good shit happens that you didn't even know about, right? Right. And then once we get to the fat loss, you're like, I feel so good. I don't even care. Like I've had clients be like, well, I don't even feel like I need to do progress photos and measurements. I just feel so good. I'm adding weight in the gym. Like I'm putting weight, uh, you know, I'm lifting heavier. I'm sleeping better. I have more self-care practices in my life. My clothes are fitting better. I don't even think I need to like weigh myself or take circumference measurements. I'm like, mm -hmm. great, perfect. You yeah. know? So mm -hmm. this is why I, I, I don't want people to put a timeline on things you uh, or, you know, even have like 
a number on the scale in mind. Let's let's like let go of the timelines, the numbers, and focus on the fucking shit that you need to focus on, which is getting back to the basics and being super consistent with those. Right. You'll get there when you get there. Like right. we we that's one of the most common questions we get. How long is it going to take me to lose X amount mm-hmm. of weights? Like we don't we can't tell you. Nobody can tell you. I don't have a magic fucking wand here, you know. It's like, <laughs> can you master those habits and be consistent with those? Let's try that first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I just had a similar conversation with a client. She's in perimenopause and Beth, I know you posted something about this today. Mm-hmm. She had a vacation to Mexico coming up which was last week. And she was like, it was like end of February and she had been gaining weight and she was frantic. And she was like, well, do I start fasting? Do I start calorie counting? What do I do? I said, let's look at the basics. How's your stress been and your sleep? Because that's the foundational shit, right? Right, It's not even nutrition. Like if you're not sleeping and you're stressed out, the scale's not budging. Nothing. And happening. your nutrition's gonna probably be not great anyway, right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. You're stress eat. <laughs> so we got a handle on stress. We got a handle on sleep. And I said, listen, the fasting, which we did like a 12, 12, 14, 10, wasn't even crazy. Well, 14, 10 can be 12, 12. We started there. I said, that's the icing on the cake. That's the extra shit that comes after your nutrition's on point, after you're sleeping seven to nine hours of Dialing quality sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we're not just like jumping to fasting because like we have to lose this weight. I am not sacrificing a, your mental health, <laughs> your physical health, just for this, for the sake of fat loss. I am not doing that. Um, I will help you get to where you want to be, but that's the icing on the cake. And I need you doing these things really well first before we even start addressing any of that extra stuff. Now, question about the fat is fasting something you implement with all of your clients or is that individualized? Like this, this client is a good candidate for, you know, time restricted feeding or not. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I consider time restricted feeding a more advanced strategy Mm -hmm. um, that can help clients. I don't necessarily look at it from a fat loss perspective, unless I am working with clients in perimenopause or menopause in which time-restricted eating has been shown to help. Um, I look at it more from... That? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that because I, I, I've not heard that actually. Well, so I've, I have, but I, from uh, someone, I'm not going to name her name, but um, you know who I'm talking about, right, Matt? Absolutely. Um, she wrote a book and uh, she, she, she blocked me and Matt on... Uh, TikTok. Oh, um, but anyway, yeah, but she is like all about that, right? Which for me, I'm like, I'm, I'm 50. There's no way I'm going to intermittent fast. I don't need to. Like, I don't see or any reason to. I am in menopause. Um, I eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, so I, I would, I'm so curious to know like what that purpose would have for somebody. Right. So the information I'm pulling is from the metabolic female certification course with Jade Tita. And what okay. happens in perimenopause and menopause is the body still is undergoing a lot of stress. It's going through a lot of changes. There's hormonal stoppage stoppages happening. So the idea is during menopause is to alleviate any additional stress on the body. So that's why sometimes you want to pull back on strength training and increase your walking. Mm-hmm. Even low carb can be helpful for women in peri and menopause just because they can't tolerate carbohydrates as well during that phase. Um, again, I'm not advocating for low carb for anyone. Obviously. No, I think low carb can be a good strategy for the, for the right person. And I think that's yes. what's important is having yep. the right strategy for the right person instead of right. blanket strategies. Yeah. Right. 
Well, you know, people listen to podcasts, they hear low carb, and then they start running to <laughs> low carb. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but the idea is to kind of alleviate the stress on the body. So what fasting can do is it can allow for more rest and regeneration during that time period. And honestly, I don't even recommend a very restrictive fast. I think a 12-12 can be super beneficial, just giving yourself 12 hours between your last meal to your first meal so that you're giving yourself 12 hours for your, your pancreas or liver and, and all it's of really your organs. That bad if you think about it, because that's, you're sleeping, what, seven? eight hours, hopefully. Um, that's two hours in the morning, two hours at nighttime. So I, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, and mean, I, I mean, I could say I probably even do that now without even realizing it. Like I don't right. even think about it. Like, you know, I'll get up at five in the morning, I'll have my coffee and I'll go to the, right now, go to the beach. I'm, when and I then think I, about I'll it, eat breakfast at like eight thirty nine. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm kind of doing that without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, you know, I'm just sleeping and waking up and doing other shit before I eat breakfast. Yeah. And when it comes to the time-restricted feeding during perimenopause, I was referring to it as a means for weight loss and fat loss. So obviously if you have less hours for eating, then Mm -hmm. you're going to end up losing. However, we don't want it to be a super drastic drop where you're eating, you know, five, 600 less calories than you normally would. Right. Intermittent fasting isn't a means to just, you know, eat a ton less calories. It's just giving you an opportunity to, to eat within a certain time period. Totally. So yeah. So that's some of the intermittent fasting recommendations I, I have made for perimenopause and menopausal women. It's not my specialty. It's not like my niche that I specifically work with, but I did learn a lot throughout that course. And then some of the clients I have worked with already. And so intermittent fasting, I do find is more of an advanced strategy, right? Because we have to have all of these other things in place and you have to be doing them well for a certain amount of time. And also what I look for is for clients to be able to course correct more, more quickly if they happen to quote unquote fall off track. So I won't share advanced strategies with clients if I find that like they go on vacation and then it takes them like two, three weeks to get back on track and maybe you know, they, their mindset isn't, uh, in a, in a more balanced and healthy place where they're looking at things in a more realistic sense and they're getting really self-deprecating, then they're, they're not going to be a good candidate for that. I look for someone that has a little bit more autonomy within their, their process, um, has a little bit more competence and knows, okay, today I can do a 12, 12, Yesterday I did a 1410, but I don't really have to push myself that much and has the ability to self-regulate a little bit, a little bit better. That's, that's amazing because that's yeah. really what it comes down to is that individual, you know, personal preferences and everything about their unique lifestyle. You need to be able to adapt and you need to be able to be flexible. Yeah. Yeah. And it can work sometimes for for people that are have a really demanding work schedule, and you know they're they're not able to eat during work. So then maybe we'll nurses, do an intermittent doctors. fast or something like that. Yeah, totally. Exactly. A lot of I feel like they a lot of nurses and doctors and people that have like the schedule that's crazy do yes. um, intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. I agree. I see that in a lot of my clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that it's not because they want to do it. It's just the nature of the beast. When you're working 12 to 16 hours on a, on an emergency room floor, you, you're yeah. going from patient to patient. You don't even have time to pee, let alone eat. Yeah. Do you work with a lot of shift workers that work at night? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably 25% of our clients are, wow. are either nurses or somebody that's doing shift work mm-hmm. overnight. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I got to team up with you guys on my next shift work client. <laughs> <laughs> We've definitely been there and done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. Yeah, it is. I, I do find when people are doing are doing shift work, what one thing is like 
what should my eating pattern be? Or what should, when should I be eating? And how I, should like, I track, I, do I track tomorrow or today? <laughs> yeah, right. it's like, it doesn't matter right now. It, it depends is, is really the answer. And people don't like hearing that is, is it depends, you know, when should I be eating with, I work overnight. It's like, I don't know. I need, I need to know more about you, you know, your break schedule, your, your afterlife schedule, your cravings, like you said, cravings and all that, like that, mm-hmm. that stuff is all taken into consideration yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gets a little bit more complex and in the weeds. And that's where one-on-one coaching is beneficial, right? Yeah. Because we can't give blanket statements and just say, well, just eat before work and then exercise, right. you know, when you come home and then before you go to bed and it's like, well, you know, I have to get up in six hours. It's like, okay. Well. Yeah. And that's why we say when we make posts on social media that everything is individualized, like there's, you know, not a one size fits all. And then, you know, people get really defensive <laughs> thinking every video pertains to them. It's like, no. You know, well, I can't do that because I, it's like, oh my God, that's why you're not coaching. Okay. If you were like a coaching client, then we could do individualized. But when you're speaking to the general population, it's just general, it's not individual. And I think mm-hmm. people need to really get that. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, just know, like, take all this stuff with a grain of salt and remember, like, apply it to you if it, if it's something that you can actually stick to and you feel like it'll work for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Boom, boom. Yep. And take that part number four of observe. Yeah. How does this make me feel? How do I respond? Yes. Is this something that I can keep up for the long term? Yeah. Do I enjoy mm-hmm. this? Do I like right. this? Right. I do like, like that observe skill. Is that yeah. do you do you do any type of um like journaling to to help them observe and to raise awareness to how they're feeling before and after? Yeah. 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 I, I teach clients how to keep a nutrition journal mm-hmm. and you know, what time they're eating, the contents of their meals, how they Mm -hmm. feel within an hour of that meal, within two hours of that meal, and then within four to six hours if they haven't eaten again. And then I also have them track their hunger on a scale Mm -hmm. of one to 10, you know, when they get like, when they feel hunger, like, um, three, should I eat? And we talk about that. And Mm -hmm. then also their cravings. And then also, you know, what time they're getting up, what time they're going to bed Mm -hmm. and any stressors that might happen during that day. So, you know, had a fight with my husband or, you know, had a, had a stressful visit at the doctor's or whatever it might be, or really happy and want to have a glass of wine or whatever it is. So they start to document that. And again, that's part of the self auditing process is like, I'm not going to be in your back pocket all the time right? I am not you. I don't know like how you respond to things. Like This is an individual journey that you need to start to connect these dots for yourself. So journaling is definitely a powerful uh, tool that, that we use with our clients. I agree. It's super powerful. Mm-hmm. It's, it really it, is. It, because without awareness, we, 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 we can't change. Without awareness, right. there, there is no change because you don't know that it's an issue. It's, right. Exactly. Exactly. It's change what you don't know. Mm-hmm which is why we love, we personally love tracking and things like that. I know you're not an advocate for the tracking or at least not with your clients, but, uh, you know, food journals are great. And there's lots of different ways to raise awareness without just tracking. And, you know, there's many ways to skin the cat, they say, right? So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And we definitely start with that within the first, you know, couple of weeks is just documenting what, what they're eating. Yep. Um, and there are some clients where I do have them track what the calorie and macro content is, especially if it's someone that's maybe like eating out a lot or mm-hmm. fast food a lot, just for them to see like, oh yeah, look at all this fat. I mean, this burger like, at Burger King is 1200 calories and not 400 mm-hmm. like I thought. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I, I had someone that 
you know, was just eating fast food for the majority of her meals. And so Mm, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. But there was also like a lot of opportunity, you know, because Mm -hmm. as soon as she started eating well, it was like, holy shit, I feel so good. You know, I was like, she had one piece of fruit and I was like, the heavens had parted and you were like, oh shit, like, wow, I'm not crashing. This is amazing. You know? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was, that was really cool. Yeah. I love that. Good stuff. A lot of good info on this podcast. I know. Right very here. good. Very good info. I love the For mindfulness sure. that you incorporate. It's, yeah. it's mindfulness in every aspect of life we can benefit from. Whether, yeah, absolutely. Because, because my, when you f- start focus on your mindful eating, that's going to build awareness and mindfulness in other aspects of your life too, with your movements, right? Mindful movements and and how you interact with other people. It's going to improve all of those relationships. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, I don't want them to be with me forever, but mm-hmm. you know, how am I going to help them be successful after this program? So I, I need to give them the tools that mm-hmm. they can, that they know what's going on in their bodies. And they're not just following a 30 day plan just for the sake of a 30 day plan. You know, I started saying this and then I realized my, my coach Jill had said this too, but like, I really feel like diets make you dumber. It's like, eat this, not that eat during this time, drink this amount of water. And it's like, do I even like blueberries? Like, am I just eating them because they're on the plan or, you know, what's going on? So I think people just need to get more comfortable with like, there is no right way to eat. There's just the right way for you to eat and let's figure it out what it is, you know? Yeah. I love, thank you for that. That's amazing. Yeah, of course. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Laura, this has been great. We want to give you an opportunity here. If people love what you're talking about, they want to learn more about you. How can they do that? Yeah, sure. So you can find me on Instagram. That's my main platform at Laura Cavallo underscore underscore cravings underscore coach. Um, my last name is spelled C-A-V's and Victor A-L-L-O. You can find me under Beth's IG and soon Matt's. Yep. Um <laughs> Or my website, lauracavallocoaching.com. And I got all things cravings in there. Got some freebies for you. Awesome. Um, and a couple of programs coming up this spring as well. That's awesome. exciting. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. This was such a great conversation. Yeah, I loved it. Totally. It's our pleasure. Yeah, yeah definitely. And keep so doing much, what Laura. you guys are doing in the space. I mean, like we just, we need to keep pushing ahead and getting through all the bullshit that's out there because mm-hmm. it's fucking exhausting and just Dude. keeps popping up. So exhausting. Just when I think that's like, you know what? I think people are okay out there. You know? A new wave it, hits. It just fucking gets worse. Dealing with that I'm recently, like, haven't we? Beth? Holy shit! Yeah, people yeah. are okay. And then Gwyneth Paltrow comes out with her oh routine, and now we're all we're having to fucking. Why are we listening to Gwyneth Paltrow for nutrition and lifestyle advice? Honestly, why are we listening? I've been to called so many anyway? names this week. I can't even begin to tell you guys. <sighs> Big deep breaths. Yeah. Well, I lived in Los Angeles for seven years. And one of the reasons I left is just because I couldn't subscribe to the culture, the materialism, the how you look, who do you know, what can you do for me lifestyle. And for some people that works. And for some people, they're very removed from it. So it doesn't affect them. But for me, I just felt like I was just not in a good culture and a not environment. And, you know, that's that's mm-hmm. sort of part of it, the Hollywood diet culture aspect. So, totally. But anyway, we yeah, will right. we will we'll pursue. To, we on. could do an entire segment on on. Oh, that absolutely, stuff. literally. <laughs> Should Gwyneth yeah. has said. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this episode. So why not share it with a friend who needs to hear it? Send us a DM on Instagram or email us at cutthecrappod at gmail.com and join our Patreon at patreon.com/slash cutthecrappodcast. As always, we appreciate you and thanks for being here.